So let's go to John chapter 11. And I'm going to take you to a, to a story that I need to do a, a pastor confession. I don't like this story. I know it's God's word. But I have, I've got a problem with it. I don't understand it. When I read this story, I have more questions than I do answers. Now, I love God. I love his word. I would have just written this story differently. Boy, y'all are giving me a mean look this morning. <laughs> have, you, have you ever read something in the Bible that you just you didn't, didn't understand or maybe didn't like? And this is one of those stories that if I were writing the Bible, and thank God I'm not, I would have just written this differently. I mean, it, it ended out okay in the end, but there's, you're going to see there's some things in here that just I'm just not comfortable with. Partly because in this story, God is distant. God is silent. He's not showing up exactly when we need him to show up, and there's a, there's a delay, and I'm just uncomfortable with it. I don't like it, but chances are, if you're like me, there's been a time in your life when God didn't show up on your agenda and your timing. He was delayed. And you view that as denial. And we're going to see in John chapter 11 that just in the life of Lazarus, he just didn't show up in time. And I'm sure Christ maybe thought that as he was hanging on the cross and that thorn of, a crown of thorns was placed on his head and he was crying out, God, why are you allowing me to go through this? And by the way, where are you? You're my heavenly father and here I'm alone. There will be a time in your life, I promise you, where God's going to be silent, where God is going to be delayed, where God is going to be distant. And it's how you respond in those moments that determine your future and your destiny. Let's go to John chapter 11. If you're with me this morning, say amen. I think I lost about half of you there. You give me that religious look like, like you've never felt that way before. Yeah, we're sleepy. We, we, uh, yes. John chapter 11. Now, a man, Lazarus, was, was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent out this word to Jesus, the one you love is sick. 
When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness is not into death. No, it is far from God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. And when he heard that Lazarus was sick, there it is. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. See, I don't like that. Jesus, the one that you love, is sick. And you're going to stay where you are for two more days? That's 48 hours. See, I was, I was taught in Sunday school that, 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 that when you're in trouble, when you need God, he's always going to be there. And if I was writing this story, I would have left that out. Because I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's good. I don't think that's the kind of God that we serve. The one you love is sick. And you're going to stay where you are, and you're going to make him wait for two days? Does that sound compassionate to you? Does that sound like he's full of love and faithfulness and goodness? See, if I was writing this, I would have I said, Jesus, the one you love is sick. And then I would have said, and Jesus got up immediately and he went to help Lazarus who was sick. Or maybe something like, as soon as Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he cried out immediately. God, save him. God, heal him. God, make him well. And Lazarus was healed. No, that's not what it says. And I don't like it. He stayed where he was for 48 hours. How do you think Martha and Mary felt? I poured oil on your feet, expensive oil, and then my brother is dying. And you stay where you are for two days? I wish the story gets better, but it gets even more complicated. Look at verse 14. I've never seen this. So when Jesus told his disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, listen to this, I am glad that I was not there. So that you may believe, but let us now go to him. Now, I do love this part, doubting Thomas. Verse 16, then Thomas, 
said to the rest of the disciples, let us all go that we may die with him. I like that part. For the first time in my life, I identify with Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas is like, what's up with this? The one you love is sick, and I've seen you for so many years now heal people instantly, but the one who you love is sick, and you're going to stay away for 48 hours? You're going to remain silent for two days? And then on top of that, you say that you're glad that you weren't there? Oh, let's just go with Lazarus so we all may die. I love that. I kind of feel like that sometimes when God is distant, when God is silent. I don't, I don't know that I'm going to be able to answer this question today. But I do want to look for a few moments on when God is silent. And by the way, when you hear that God is silent, when you hear that God is distant, when you hear that God's not going to show up instantly every time you call and you need him, when, when you hear that God could delay for two days or two months or two years or 20 years, how does that make you feel? Well, a lot like Doubting Thomas. Mad, betrayed, angry, disappointed, confused, frustrated. I put eight blanks in your notes, and you can fill all eight of those blanks, and there's probably a few more blanks that you could add to that. Upset, agitated. The list goes on and on and on. By the way, how many are here today and, and at least once in your life you felt like God was distant? Can I see your hand? I mean, is everybody here today and, and like you pray a prayer and God instantly answers your prayer? If you're here today and that happens every single time, I would love to meet with you. So I'm going to appoint you to be the pastor because you've got it all together and life is great for you and you pray and God answers. How convenient. I can tell you there's been a few times in my life where God waited 48 hours. And I was mad. And I was betrayed. And I was perplexed. And I identified with Doubting Thomas. Well, let's just go with Lazarus and we're all going to die. When God is silent, not if, how are you going to respond when you feel that God is silent in your life. And if he was silent in David's life in Psalm 22, and if he was silent in Christ's life when he was dying on the cross, certainly there's going to be a time in your life, in my life, where God's going to be distant. And I hope you and I will respond biblically and correctly. Can I get an amen? Number one, when God is silent, here it is, first point. I've got eight of them for you today. Accept by faith the mystery. Everyone say mystery. Do you understand today that we are singing to and worshiping a God that is full of mystery? And how convenient it would be for us to put this awesome God who created the world, who spoke the world into existence, who is an amazing God and we love him and how great thou art, 
When you become a believer, there's going to come a time in your life where you're just going to have to accept that there's some things that you are not going to understand. You are not going to figure it out. It is going to be a mystery to you. And you, by faith, have to accept the mystery of God. God will be silent. God, if he wants to take two days, can take two days. He can take two months. He can take two years. He can take 20 years. There's mystery in the wonderful God that we serve. To understand the mystery of God, we must move past the logic of men. I love what Alistair Begg says, better to have a God whose mystery we cannot understand than to have an adequacy we can't rely on. And how convenient it is for us as believers, watch this, to, to put God just in a box. And God, here's the rules. When I'm sick like Lazarus, and you love me like Lazarus, when you get the text message that I'm sick, I expect you to respond within the hour. And what you and I are doing is we're sticking a mysterious God into a conveniently boxed logic. And the older I get, the more I understand that God is a mysterious, beautiful God who cannot be placed in human-made boxes. If I were you today, I'd go home and I would unwrap the top of this box, open this box up, and declare as a mature, growing believer in Christ, God, there's some things that I don't understand. It's a mystery to me. But in the midst of my mystery, I trust you, and I have faith that you're an awesome God. And if it takes you two days to respond, if it takes you two weeks to respond, if it takes two months for you to respond, if it takes 20 years for you to respond, or you never respond at all, I will have faith in the mystery of God. Number two, when God is silent, when God is distant, when God is aloof, and by the way, I don't want to complicate this any more than it is today because this is an awful lot. There is a concept in God's word that God is not only distant, but there are times when God will hide himself from you. So if you have a problem with God being distant, Wait until we talk about when God is hiding himself from you. Yeah, it's true. It's in the Bible. Look it up. God plays hide and seek with us. <laughs> and he does it so that you will seek him and find him with all of your heart. Well, I'm chasing a rabbit there, so let, let me get back on track. If you're with me, say Amen. Number two, I love this one. When, when God is silent, remember that silence is not absence. Luke 24 is a beautiful story. We don't have time to go there today, but this is when the disciples, Christ had just died on the cross, and Jerusalem was filled with, with drama and tension and questions, and the disciples did what you and I do. Let's get out of town. This is crazy. Christ was on the cross. 
He was buried, and now he's risen again, and Jerusalem is going crazy, and the disciples said, let's go to Emmaus. Emmaus means the warm spring. They went to the Ritz-Carlton to get away. It was just too much for them. And on their way to Emmaus, Jesus shows up and walks with them, and they didn't even know it. How is that possible? They'd followed Jesus for the past three years, and they watched every miracle that Jesus performed, and now Jesus is next to them, walking with them, and they didn't even recognize that he was with them. You see, when God is silent in your life, it doesn't mean that he's absent from you. In fact, the very, it's, it's, it's much, much different than that. God could be closer than you could ever imagine, and yet you feel like he is distant, but he's walking right with you. When God is silent, it is not the fact that he is absent. Can I get an amen? I love the phrase there, Holy Saturday is the best reminder that the silence of God doesn't equal the absence of God. God is with us even though we feel that he is silent and distant. He's closer than our very breath. Can I get an amen? amen. Number three, I love this one. When, you, when, when God is silent, understand that silence is necessary for growth. Do you know that when God is distant, when God is silent, that is the very moment when you are growing the most? Why? Because you are living by faith. You are living not by what you see or what you touch or what you feel, but you are living by faith. And when that moment comes in your life when God is distant or God feels like he is gone from you, it is a wonderful opportunity for you to grow and mature and to follow him even though you don't see him or hear him. My question to you today is, are you going to follow Christ even though you don't hear him? Are you going to follow Christ even though you don't sense his presence? Are you going to follow him even when you don't sense his nearness? And the question is, yes, God. We love to sense your presence. We love to feel you. We love to hear you. But when we don't hear you, when we feel like you're distant, we are still going to follow you by faith. And when you do that, that is the opportunity for you to grow. Is there anybody here today you're, you're, you're unwilling to, to grow? You know when you get to that point where you're unwilling to grow, you know what actually happens? You're making a commitment to die. And growth is necessary for us. I love this, I love this quote. A, a seed grows with no sound, but a tree falls with huge noise. Destruction has noise, but creation is quiet. This is the power of silence. Grow silently. Number four, when God is silent, remind yourself that this time is seasonal. Aren't you glad for the seasons? I love what, what uh, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7. There's a time to tear down, there's a time to mend, there's a time to be silent, and there's a time to speak. And when God seems silent, when God seems distant, when God seems like he's not aware, he's not arriving the very moment you want him to arrive, remind yourself it's seasonal. 
How many of you woke up this morning and enjoyed this beautiful weather that we have today? It's heavenly. It's beautiful. Enjoy it. Soak it in because July is coming. <laughs> it's going to be 100 degrees in just a few months. And that's the beauty of seasons. And there's some of you here today, you are in a dark winter season. But I've got great news for you. Spring is on the way. If you're in a dark time where you're praying and God's not answering and you're wondering, God, where are you? You're two days late. You're just going through a, a, a season. And if you will weather it, the season, a new season will come shortly. I remind you to read Psalm 23. One of the greatest psalms of all, of all time, and we all know it and love it. Can I remind you that that good shepherd leads us through seasons of life. He starts out with quiet waters. He takes us to green pastures. He takes us to the valley, the shadow of death. He moves us to the table in the presence of our enemies. Those are seasons that we walk through. And if you are going to follow the good shepherd, you've got to follow him through seasons that you don't understand and seasons that you don't like and seasons that are uncomfortable. But he's a good shepherd. Follow the good shepherd. And when you do, he'll lead you through one season into another season that's awaiting you. If God's quiet today, hang on. Fight through. It's winter time, but spring is on the way. Number five, when you're in a time where God is distant and God is quiet, trust him more, not less. Oh, I love the hymn, Tis So Sweet. What? To trust in Jesus. Trust him more, church. In those times of darkness, in those times of questions, learn to trust him more. Look what Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2 says. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust him and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Tori Tin Boone says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Lord, I trust you. Trust him more. Number six, when you're in a season where God is distanced, pass the test. How many of you here today, you, you like tests? Anyone like tests? I know there's some people in school, it, it wasn't me. I mean, I didn't like tests. I, I, I can't even spell tests. I mean, I just don't like tests. But there's some people that just love tests. I don't like tests. And chances are that God is testing you in this season of distance and silence. He's not tempting you. He's testing you. Look what Rick Warren says. I love this. The teacher is always silent when the test is given. When God is silent in your life, you're being tested. James chapter 1, verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials or testings of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, perseverance, let it finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Pine Castle, pass the test. Number seven, I love this one. 
Now, we're going to camp out here for a couple minutes, okay? And I really love this point. And I believe that God has given just, just a, a new revelation uh, to me. When God is distant in your life, when you feel apart from God and you wonder where he is and you don't sense his presence, I want you to run to his word. Run to his word. Now, watch this. Look in your notes and look at the scripture that I gave you, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Watch this. All scripture is God-breathed. Now, I want you to circle that, that, that word there, God-breathed. Now, watch this. In Genesis chapter 2, God breathed into Adam and Eve, and they came alive. Everyone say the word alive. Now, I think that's an interesting description. God breathed into Adam and Eve, and they came alive. Now, watch this. In the New Testament, the Bible says that Jesus breathed on the disciples, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at it. It, 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 it's there in the New Testament. Here's a scripture. It's in John 20, 20. Jesus breathed. Where did he get that concept from? Jesus got the concept from his father in Genesis chapter 2. Watch this. Jesus saw God breathe life in Adam and Eve, and Jesus decided to breathe the Holy Spirit into the disciples. Now watch this. This could totally revolutionize your way of how you view reading Scripture. God breathed into Adam and Eve, and they came alive. Everyone say alive. Jesus breathed into the disciples, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch this. When you run to God's Word, and you open His Word, the Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed. Could it be possible that when you run to his word, he breathes life into you and he breathes the power of the Holy Spirit? I don't know. A lot of great theologians here today. You guys are a lot more brilliant than I am. But if the Bible says that God's word is God breathed, could it be that when you open up these words in your time of distance and in your time of silence, that God is actually breathing life into you through his word? David, come just for a moment. Are y'all with me? God breathes life in Adam and Eve. Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit into his disciples. All scripture is God breathed. God breathed. 
Could it be, David, that when you open God's word and you say, God, you're distant, God, you're aloof, God, you're silent, could it be that every time you open up God's beautiful word, that God is breathing life into you? Oh, we got to read the word again. Oh, Pastor Scott is asking us to read through Psalms. Oh, i got to get through the Bible this year. Oh, help me, Lord. We approach this. When you open God's word, you're allowing the God of creation to breathe life into you. I'm telling you, that is revolutionary. You talk about oh, I don't want to read God's word today. You don't want to live. You don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't want God to breathe his life into you. And there's been so many times in the midst of my questions, so many times in the midst of my despair, so many times in the midst of my, God, where are you, that I open God's word, and it's like, bam, what is that? It's God breathing. All Scripture is God And if he breathed life into Adam and Eve, and if Jesus breathed life into the disciples, the Holy Spirit, could it be that when you and I open this beautiful word that we run to in the time of our despair and our discouragement and our frustration, that it's God breathing life into us? The next time you open up God's holy word, Simply ask him, God, I feel that you're distant. I feel that you're silent. I feel that you're away from me. But God, as I open these words, breathe life into me. Breathe the power of the Holy Spirit into my life. And it will change the way you view the discipline of reading God's word. It's life. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that's breathed into us. That allows us to continue to be the disciples that God's called us to be. Now, I know what you were thinking. Thank God Pastor Scott didn't breathe on David. (laughs) And I'm sure David was thinking that too. Thank God. Thank you, David. Run to his word. I hope you got that today. And then number number 10, Bruce, you go to the keyboard. Remain faithful. When God is silent, when God is distant, when God doesn't show up in two days, remain faithful. Everybody say faithful. Psalm 37, verse 28. For the Lord loves the just, and he will not forsake the faithful ones. Oswald Chambers says, when you cannot hear God, you will find that he has trusted you in the most intimate way possible with absolute silence. Not a silence of despair, but one of pleasure because he saw that you could withstand even a bigger revelation. Remain faithful. You may not like it. 
You may not understand it, but God will reveal himself to you if you remain faithful. Oh, by the way, you're probably wondering, Lazarus, you know what his name means? How many asked that question while I was preaching? Pastor Scott, I can't believe you didn't tell me what Lazarus' name means. God helps. God helps. May not be the exact time that you think he needs to help. May not be in two days. There may be that distance where you're wondering, God, I don't know. But Lazarus was convinced to the very end that Jesus was going to show up because his name means, my God helps me. I pray that you'll be faithful in the midst of your questions, in the midst of your frustration, in the midst of your anger, in the midst of your questions. Pine Castle, remain faithful because God always helps. And he showed up on the scene and said, Lazarus, come forth. And new life was brought into Lazarus. And new life will be brought into you if you will simply trust him and be faithful. Could be a lot of people watching online today. There could be a lot of people here in the sanctuary that, that you're just, you're frustrated. You've been praying and praying and praying and praying and God hasn't answered exactly the way you think you ought to answer. Maybe you're here today and you've been, you're sick in body and you've been praying for years for God to heal you and he just hadn't healed you yet. Yet, remain faithful. Somebody here today praying for a wife. Remain faithful. God helps. Somebody here today faced with financial difficulty and anxiety and stress. God's going to show up because God helps. Be faithful. Stay strong. Keep fighting, and you're going to see your answer. Would you stand across the auditorium and let's pray together?